Hey marketers, if you want to get the latest news, trends, and insights in marketing, advertising, and tech, check out the Adweek Podcast Network. Learn from leading voices across media and marketing with original shows like Yeah, That's Probably an Ad, Marketing Vanguard, and Tech Magic with Kathy Hackle. Start listening now by searching Adweek wherever you listen to podcasts. My dad works in B2B marketing. He came by my school for career day and said he was a big ROAS man. Then he told everyone how much he loved calculating his return on ad spend. My friends still laugh at me to this day. Not everyone gets B2B, but with LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people who do. Get $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash generate to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash generate. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. You're listening to Yeah, That's Probably an Ad. It's the Adweek Podcast, where we talk about marketing, media, technology, pop culture, because in the end, everything is an ad. I'm David Greiner. I'm the international editor at Adweek. And this week, uh, in the print issue of Adweek, is our Media Agency of the Year issue. We actually award three Media Agencies of the Year. Media Agencies. Um, We've got our Global Media Agency of the Year, our U.S. Media Agency of the Year, and Breakthrough. Media Agency of the Year. I recommend you check out all of them on adweek.com or in the magazine. This episode of the podcast, we're going to focus on breakthrough. This is obviously the category where we look at emerging players uh, in the space. A lot of media agencies have been around for a very long time and are very, very large. And uh, breakthrough lets us kind of look at one that is really blowing up on the scene. Uh, and this year we've got a really fascinating one. You probably know their name, um, but uh, they've not always been discussed as a media agency. It is VaynerMedia, as in Gary Vaynerchuk. Uh, you probably know Gary. Uh, he's been interviewed here on the podcast. He's everywhere. Uh, and he uh, very notably runs VaynerMedia, a quite large agency these days that's really blown up over the past decade. Do a lot of creative, a lot of social media that they really got known for, but their media operation has really uh, blown up in in the past few years. And a lot of that is thanks to John Tarana, who's their EVP of Media Solutions, who came on board uh, in the last few years. And today we've got a conversation with him. Uh, and Olivia Morley, our senior agency's reporter here at Adweek, is uh, she sat down with him to learn about what is happening at VaynerMedia that has made it such an emerging powerhouse in the media space, some of the massive client wins and big projects they've had, and kind of where they're growing from here, which is really interesting. Uh, their their plans for growth are different than a lot of agencies. So that's enough preface from me. I will leave you with Olivia Morley from Adweek and John Tarana from VaynerMedia. Okay, so I'm Olivia Morley, Adweek Senior Agencies Reporter. And um, here I have with me JT Tarana. Um, JT, do you want to go ahead and introduce yourself for the audience? Sure. Hi, Olivia. Uh, JT or John Tarana, uh, I am the EVP of media over at VaynerMedia, which means I uh, get the pleasure of running our global media squad. So as you guys know, um, VaynerMedia has won our Breakthrough Media Agency of the Year Award. And there are a couple really specific reasons why I think Vayner stood out to our editorial team when we were making the selection. And so I kind of wanted to talk through those, but I also wanted to just, you know, while we have JT here, get a sense of your background and what brought you to Vayner Media. Like what, you, you know, when we had our previous conversation, you said that digital was in your DNA. And so I want to hear about your trajectory and then how you broke into media at Vayner. 
Sure thing. Um, first of all, thank you all so much for the honor of being the Breakthrough Media Agency of the Year. I mean, the ton, really jazzed about it. As for my background, I actually wasn't a media character to start out with. I started on the creative account side of things uh, as my first gig, but then I slowly learned that there was this ability to understand what was working and not working on the ads that we were setting live in digital environments. So I was like, hey, like I really like math. Um, I really like data. Let me get closer to that. And that sort of began my, began my journey into, into media. I got really fortunate to enter the social API space way back in, in 2012 at a company called Social Code. We were really, really early on Facebook API partner. So I was there for seven and a half years and sort of grew up with a social ecosystem and saw all the different various platforms release their APIs, new ad products. And there's actually a lot of that DNA throughout VaynerMedia media team uh, in terms of being really focused on social, digital, biddable platforms. About two and a half years ago, I uh, was really fortunate through a colleague, John Morgenstern, to be introduced to Gary. And I would say at that breakfast when I, when I first met Gary, it was pretty instantaneous alignment in terms of a lot of the things that he believed and that I believed as well in terms of being leaned into these social platforms the ability to integrate media with content and creative teams, the ability to move fast and eliminate some baggage uh, that we both found in the industry. And then I was uh, lucky enough to join in January 2020. So that's sort of the trajectory that got me here. Very, very, very fortunate to have good friends who introduced me to Gary and it all worked out. So it sounds like you joined, this, this all happened about two years ago. Did you know of Gary and of VaynerMedia beforehand? And if the answer is yes, what was your perception of VaynerMedia as an agency at that time? Yeah, it was. I definitely knew of Gary. I had a lot of friends here. And ironically, my, pre my previous company, we were pitching a ton against VaynerMedia. And sort of clients were looking for alternatives in the social or biddable digital space. And we would find ourselves always pitching against VaynerMedia to the point where VaynerMedia folks would be walking out of the pitch room and we would be walking into it. So we were always sort of competing and in a very similar lane. And my perception of VaynerMedia at the time was probably, you know, far more leaned into the creative side, whereas the shop I was at the time was far more leaned into data and digital. And we were just starting to grow our own creative capabilities. So I think in talking and meeting with Gary and talking to other folks on the media team, when I first started engaging pre-January 2020, I was surprised in a really great way in terms of the foundation of digital capabilities that were already kind of built throughout VaynerMedia. And the real opportunity that I think we discussed early on was, wow, like if we can up-level the digital capabilities and the media team, and then ultimately intersect those capabilities with strategy, content and creative and analytics, then you have a chance for it to be something really, really special. And I'd say that was probably one of the biggest things that went into my decision to join, which was the ability to just get out of the pure media character lane and start to really collaborate with colleagues across every function. Sure. I, I think what you're saying is kind of interesting because you talked about how back then you really recognized Vayner as like a creative player. Um, and so I, I think that that is sort of the industry-wide perception, right? And Vayner is really picking up steam in those areas. And you guys had three Super Bowl ads this year. Most of them, I think all three were, were fan favorites, very highly talked about ads. And so I think that um, at least at the beginning of Vayner Media, like it's kind of a misnomer, right? Like it was just creative for like the first, what, six, seven years? 100%. Yeah. The, the Gary called the company Vayner Media. 
uh, and the and it started 13 or so years ago. Uh, and the media team didn't start within VaynerMedia until about seven or so years ago. So there was definitely some foresight on his part. And yes, it was mostly, it started as like a community management and content shop in social um, for the first few years. And then as media has been introduced over time, up leveling into more full funnel, holistic, creative, and digital media capabilities. Yeah. So I kind of, what I, what I think is really interesting here is it's like, you know, you guys were creative for so long and then about seven or so years ago started the media shop. and. It's a really short period of time to take off in the way that you guys have. Um, and and so I say this because like you guys are at a place right now where you have creative accounts that are converting to media AOR accounts. And so I want to hear a little bit from you about the process there. Um, and I know that really since you've joined and since um, your CCO joined a couple years ago, business has been really, really good. So I, I want to get a sense of what that looked like and what really went into that. Yeah, for sure. I would just start, you know, you mentioned the the three Super Bowl spots we did this year. Uh, I think it was a cool moment for us as, as an agency to be like, wow, like we did three Super Bowl spots and you also have a media discipline running alongside your creative team that might do, you know, eight, nine hundred, one billion dollars of media spend on their management this year. And and I don't think there's many other agencies in existence that are doing both of those. So we're starting to look very unlike anything else in the industry. And I would say that journey um, started um, probably right before I joined. Rob Lenoy, our chief creative officer, and Wanda Pogue, our chief strategy officer, they started on the same day and they joined two months before me. And at the time uh, of all three of us sort of joining within a three-month period, you had a creative team that was producing amazing work. You had a media team that was producing amazing work. But those two streams uh, we're just, just starting to intersect. And I would say in the past two years, almost all of our effort has gone into how do we build the integrated discipline. And that integrated discipline from everything of how do we do media alongside Super Bowl spots to day-to-day, how do our creative strategy, analytics, and media teams work in a capacity of we're going to produce dozens, if not hundreds of assets per week on behalf of our brands test all of those and respond to the data out in market incredibly, incredibly quickly. So the integration of our teams extends from every single day in social channels all the way up to Super Bowl. And I think that's what's made it so successful and so special because that allows us to really kind of quantify business results. So when you get into the world of uh, business results, it's kind of undeniable for some brands to be like, wow, how can I not think about integrating with these folks? Just because it's working and really driving the, the bottom line. Mm-hmm. And this is what people talk about when they say dynamic creative, right? So you're basically doing that at scale uh, across all of the platforms. Yes. So there's a distinction. A lot of times when folks refer to dynamic creative, they're talking about tech partners or DCO partners who do a level of versioning. We license those tools and leverage some of those tools. A large part of our offering is built off of humans. So if you think about our teams across departments, um, the vast majority of our media talent sits at the analyst, senior analyst, manager level, and our creative and strategy disciplines look very similar, where you have Rob's team in creative has mostly what we call creators, or folks who are just making, 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 making content every single day. And those folks are on any given account producing dozens, 25, 50 assets per week. Um, and then we have some level of versioning on top of that. So you take dozens of assets that are net new produced by a team make it into hundreds. And then that's all going to your media squad and being run in a really nimble data-driven way that throws off data. And then day-to-day, you're responding to that data and stacking and building on top of it. So uh, it's a really dynamic model 
but it takes a lot of people sort of all rowing the same direction um, on a daily basis. And and it's a system, right? Like I, there was a wonderful example of Scott's Miracle Grow, which we cite in our story, um, in which you know I, I think that um, their marketing leader conveyed this to me, or maybe you guys did. But um, this process for putting on their campaign involves like analyzing weekend data on Monday, briefing new creative and media strategies on Tuesday, developing those strategies on Wednesday and Thursday, and then launching the new content campaigns on Thursday evenings through Sunday. So it sounds like this really always on process and like really well-oiled machine in which everybody has to be in constant communication in order to do it at scale and as quickly as it needs to be done. One million percent. And uh, shout out to Scott's Miracle Grow. We're in, we're in the early days of spring here. So uh, everyone should get out on their lawn, uh, take care of it. But Exactly. Scott's is one example of like the systems we build across all of our brands. Whereas we know the majority of their sales happen on weekends. Every single Monday morning, we all get in. Scott's, VaynerMedia, um, our integrated teams. And we say, what happened on Saturday and Sunday? And that basically charts the course for what we do that entire week. And that sets off kind of the first domino of producing you know, 20, 40, 50 assets, depending on what's happening. And you do that while you're simultaneously doing other creative and media work streams that are more mid and upper funnel. So it's always a balance of how do you think about driving the business, delivering the season, driving in-source sales or DTC, while you simultaneously like build category and brand. And that's a little bit of the magic trick of how do you keep all of those work streams moving forward together? Yeah. And I'm sure part of this process for some of your clients involves taking a traditional or legacy brand that maybe maybe wasn't social first to begin with and sort of pulling them into the space and that testing must be really crucial for that process um, in order to figure out like, what is the voice of this brand on social these days? And so like, it struck me that that was sort of the case with Bose when I talked to their CMO um, who talked about how after using this testing model, um, which I'd like to get into a little bit more specifically with you. Um, they were able to figure out that they could be a little bit more down to earth on some of their social channels, a little bit more quippy and things like that. So could you talk a little bit about that campaign? Yeah, 100%. I think overall, the model is built just to get creative in market as soon as possible. As smart as I think our creative leaders are and our strategy leaders and our media leaders, nothing that we can ever produce in decks and slides will ever be as smart as just getting work and testing it with a little bit of media behind it out in market and seeing real life human behavior responses to it. So we tend when we start to engage with someone and your points around social voice and voice of the brand, I think a lot of folks would spend two, three, four months going back and forth in deck form and saying, do we have this exactly right? When you start engaging with VaynerMedia, sometimes it's as short as two, three, four days before we're launching our first work. It normally takes a couple of weeks uh, at a time for us to fully onboard. Uh, and then we're testing into what that right voice is. I think for a brand like Bose, we're able to get some of those liberties to test that content. Because the way the model works is you're, you're placing really small calculated bets. So it's not like we're launching some of our uh, edgier you know, assets with hundreds of thousands of dollars against them out of the gate. You're taking those assets and launching them with 100, 200, 300, sometimes $1,000, and then getting some data back, both quantitatively and qualitatively on the assets themselves. So you have the media team looking at all the quant data and benchmarking it. And then you have the strategy team that Wanda runs looking at every single consumer comment on it, looking at all the sentiment data. And then those two things combine to effectively give confidence to brands to say, is there a there there? And do I want to continue doing this? 
or do we pivot to the next thing and the next thing? Um, so give me a sense of some of those client relationships that you've sort of built over the years. I mean, you talk about sort of warming up bows in, in that instance with the the volume model, which I, I want to clarify um, in our story, that's the Vayner volume model um, that JT is referencing. Um, but when I spoke with uh, Mondelez International's marketing leader, John Halverson, and hopefully he won't mind me saying this on the podcast, but he actually shed tears when he was describing his relationship with you guys. Um, and it was because it, it was just, you could tell that he really, really personally valued the collaboration. And it was actually, um, I'd actually never heard a client speak so fondly of a, an agency partner ever. Um, and so it was a really interesting experience to just chat with him. And I want to get a sense of like how you guys build such strong and lasting relationships with clients that go beyond just like this innovative model and really connecting with them. It's like the most important question. And uh, John and Jen and team over at Modelies are just the best partners. And I think a couple of things in terms of, of as we think about building long-term relationships, I think a couple of things are foundational. One, we are the most human first organization on the planet. Like we have onboarding slides and values and things that we, we take clients through that are all about empathy, communication, being human first, and just the way we want to treat and engage with each other. And that's foundational. From there, I would say all of our relationships are rooted somewhat in business results. And that's incredibly clarifying and rallying for our teams. Mondelez, the example there, it's a media-only relationship for us. So it's not working our integrated capacity. But even in a media-only relationship, we are looking at the ROIs of their business on a quarterly basis and holding every single cent and every single dollar accountable to are we driving true business outcomes. And then the third, if you kind of nail those first two, uh, I would say that just unlocks a collective sense of alignment and allows you just to move really, really fast, no matter what the relationship is. I mean, we have some of our, of our brands we work with, we have 20, 30 person text threads and WhatsApp threads where we are approving content in the actual WhatsApp or text thread, where we're texting it to our, some of our, our brand partners saying, can we post this today? And they're like, sure. Uh, that starts with a lot of foundation building and a lot of sort of understanding what the rules of the game are, but that's how fast we aim to move, right? And that's how we want to collectively build one team versus sort of staying in PowerPoint and heavy presentations and decks and so on and so forth. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash generate to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash generate. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Yeah, I mean, it does really seem like a much more casual process. And this is not to imply that um, any of the media reviews you guys have been in are are not as intricate and carefully thought through as any media review. But two of your clients actually told me some variation of the same thing. And the first was um, one client actually 
after a meeting with Gary and your team, decided that he wanted to accelerate his review because he was so excited about seeing what you guys had to offer and, and felt really positively about the possibility um, before you guys eventually won the business. And then another um, marketer that I spoke with said that um, they actually carried two media agencies. So you guys and, and another holding company for like some months before they before you guys won the, the whole account. Um, and so I, I just think, you know, that's a really fascinating thing um, to be able to sort of, you know, in the second guy, the second marketer's case, he said that he actually had to like use discretionary budget in order to do that, which is such a big deal. Um, we tend to start in the, the discretionary budget lane a lot. Uh, so it's not uncommon because um, I think our model is quite different. And a lot of times folks and, and, and brand marketers are like, wow, this does feel very different to me. Let me just go in and take it for a test spin. I think the reason why that happens is because so much of our energy and model is based off of, again, launching work and launching campaigns, whether media or integrated, as quickly as possible. I have conversations with brands all the time saying, if you want your 9, 12, you know, 18-month pixel-perfect comms plan, you know, every media dollar planned out to you know, 100% degree, we're probably not the agency for you. Because the way we tend to roll is we want to launch 12, 15, 17 platforms out of the gate with as little money against them as possible, and then figure out what works and scale from there. So a lot of times when you bring that that energy to conversations, I think brands feel it is quite a bit different, and they do feel that there's sort of pressure to move a bit faster. And it's sort of willing to say, how do we get going and just test and iterate out of the gate as quickly as possible? I think that part of what you're describing is the sense of being a digital first agency. And there are a lot of media agencies who say that they're digital first, but then they still kind of go through the process of doing that, set it and forget it, you know, upfront planning. And that's sort of like the antithesis of what you guys really do at your core. And so I'd like to get a sense of how you perceive that, like compared to other agencies, where do you see yourself and what really makes Vayner different? Yeah, I, I'd still say we are... We're in an interesting spot as, as an agency because um, we are graduating from being a sort of digital only specialist or a, a social specialist shop, I think is the way the industry and a lot of brands have thought, of, thought about us for the past you know, two or so years since I've been here, to really being a, a fully scaled end-to-end media AOR partner for some brands. And I think the trick for us is how do we start to add linear capabilities, offline capabilities do more holistic comms planning without losing the drumbeat and the nucleus that I think makes it so special, which is digital first testing, speed and, and innovation. So it puts us in a weird spot uh, a lot of times with, with brands in terms of saying, well, like, whoa, I need the scale of a large agency network, but I also want to move quickly. And it's, and you know, we have really fascinating conversations of, you know, as VaynerMedia has grown. Do we have enough global capabilities, enough global scale to take on larger assignments without losing, quote unquote, like the special sauce? So that's a place we're pushing really aggressively to say, how do we set up the infrastructure, the global talent, the global network to be able to take on larger and larger remits without losing sort of this, this digital first nimble mentality? That's so fascinating. So I think that there are some broader trends in the industry that I kind of want to touch on there. So when I spoke with Gary about this very topic, we talked about what it would look like to scale. And one of the questions that I asked him was, if you were to acquire more agencies and fold them into VaynerMedia in the future, like many holding companies are doing across the board right now, 
would you allow them to retain their individual agencies, agency brands, names, leaders, things like that? Um, and it was really fascinating because Gary essentially said, you know, that's probably never going to happen. Um, you know, I have no no interest in buying a holding company. I have no interest in, um, you know, rolling other agencies into VaynerMedia. I'd rather just like hire, you know, a thousand more people next year. And so I, I thought that that was really fascinating. And it's a really different way to talk about scaling um, than I think some of the other holding company leaders might talk about it or think about it. And so can you give me a sense of what that means for you? And I guess your response to that. Yeah, for sure. I think that Gary, he walks the walk on that one, right? And, and he has pushed all of us across any discipline to think about how we hire and train talent as quickly and aggressively as possible. So on the media side of things, we've probably in the past two years bought on about 175 or so individuals in what we, what we would call a media resident. So the way we think about building and scaling teams is we hire young talent, doesn't have to be young, uh, anyone really, uh, who has an interest in, in coming to run and buy ads. Uh, and they start their career at VaynerMedia in a three-month residency program. That three-month residency program involves two hours of classwork, uh, air quotes, a day, where they're doing training, hands-on keyboard training, learning about the industry, learning about other departments. And the other six hours of their day are spent embedded in one of our client teams, getting some hands-on experience in reporting, um, campaign optimizations, et cetera. After that three-month period, we then sort of collectively pull up and we're like, us folks at VaynerMedia, we're like, wow, you've gone to the three-month period, you're killing it. Are you happy in this gig? And do you want to come and take a full-time media position as an analyst for us? The majority of the time, I would say 93% of those that time, folks are like, of course, I want to join. Um, then the other 7%, a lot of times what happens is like, hey, I heard about that creative department or I heard about the strategy department. Maybe I actually want to roll over in one of those teams. Is that possible? And we really try hard to, to work and make that happen. So uh, we have built what I believe to be is, is a pretty impressive machine and muscle just to hire and train. And then this year, we're doing those residency classes three more times. So the ability to bring on 30, 40, 50 more people at the end of June, maybe it's middle of June, kind of after folks graduate college and train them. And then another class at the end of the summer, just a really powerful day. Uh, we have folks who started in that program a year and a half ago who are now managing teams of five, six, seven people. So it's just an awesome way to sort of bring in young, ambitious talent and allow them to grow here. Yeah, well, and I think that one of the things that is sort of interesting about this program is that you know, on a personal level, like I report on uh, the media space, right? I report on media agencies, media buying. I've never bought media. And so I know the industry very well, but I frequently go through the process of trying to figure out how to do it on a granular level. And I will tell you honestly that there's actually not a lot out there in terms of training materials that are accessible and easy to find. And I can only imagine how that feels for young people who are interested in this and maybe they went to advertising school, you know, but they didn't learn how to plan an omni-channel campaign and activate that campaign across digital platforms and emerging platforms. And so, I mean, can you talk a little bit about that? I mean, I know one piece of this is you guys don't, you also don't require a college degree. And so what is your thoughts on, I guess, um, sort of simplifying an education in media and making it more inclusive? Yeah, it's an awesome question. There, there's two levels to that. If you come in as, as a media resident and, and we believe you're going to go on to hopefully have a really successful career buying ads, Gary has this phrase that the, you can't read about doing push-ups. So you got to do a lot of push-ups 
to get fit. And in this case, you got to be have a lot of time with hands-on keyboard to learn how to actually become a, a qualified media practitioner. So that's why it's a three-month program where every day there's a balance of learning or reading into the Gary analogy and then actually doing, right? And then across, across the three months, there are just sort of check-ins to say, is that individual pacing appropriately? And are they learning what they need to learn? And are they not actually going too narrow? So a lot of times what happens with media practitioners is they'll learn one channel, but then not have insight into other channels. We always want to make sure we're cross-channel in our training as well. So with hands-on keyboard, actual practitioners, there is no substitute for reps and time. Uh, there's another track that we have, or actually I think one of these sessions happened earlier this week, we call it Demystifying Media, uh, which is a two-hour training session that we give to all of our senior most creative leaders all of our senior most strategy leaders, all of our senior most account management leaders, and just try to pull in other disciplines to what buying ads and what media is like. And when you start to give them a little bit of a peek under the hood, you see like unlock some different types of creative thinking because they understand the art of the possible with targeting and things like that. So we do that training for other disciplines from the media side, but also we train our media folks on, on creative and strategy principles. Yeah, and that's sort of, this idea of that integration, right? I mean, it's everything we've been speaking about so far is that creative and media sit together. And even though media came on board, you know, six, six, seven years after um, VaynerMedia came about, it's like, it's not like there are two separate entities in VaynerX, you know, VaynerMedia and Vayner Creative. It's just VaynerMedia and you guys both sit together along with strategy and consulting. And so there's this real need, it strikes me, for cross-training and that that's really necessary for people to sort of understand as soon as they come on board and have the experience to understand the broader org, understand how to create and take a piece of content live and things like that. One million percent. I think one of the things we're probably proudest of on the media side is that if you're a net new joiner into a resident class or on the media team, we have you actually produce a piece of content in either week three or week four of you joining. Um, that piece of content doesn't always get set live. Sometimes it does, which is really cool. If we can get it approved by a client and get the permission to post it, spend against it, it's really awesome to see a media person make the ad and then run the ad. But at the minimum, even if it's just for learning and training, if you're a media member here, within four weeks, you're making a piece of content. And we have the same similar energy on any other department in terms of exposing creative folks to media really, really early on just to build that muscle from the outset. Do you think it helps with retention as well? Because I think that, it, you know, it kind of strikes me and, and the industry is in a talent crunch still right now. And so I think this is relevant. But like, if you're an entry level person and you apply for a job, you might not really understand the ins and outs of that job. And then you might get in there and you might hate it. And so it strikes me that this maybe offers some flexibility, not only to like give it a, a test run before they go ahead and step into a role, but also to figure out like which role within the residency they're most interested in and they would most excel at. Um, I think there's a, there's a couple of things here. One is um, if you join on the media side, we have eyes wide open to the fact that running ads full time is a grind, right? So I think it does help with retention to be able to say, hey, media team member, you can go and take two, three hours out of your week and go ahead and, and produce a TikTok on behalf of one of our clients. And we'll try to get it set live for you. And also, by the way, we'll ship you some product and we'll get some free stuff out of it, right? So there's certainly that uh, in terms of, I think, staying energized in terms of heads down optimization media world. Uh, and then over time, what happens is, is, listen, like not everyone wants to stay in media at VaynerMedia forever. We allow folks to change departments, go and work in strategy or creative, or we're really fortunate 
to be part of VaynerX, where you can go work at even Nosa Dame, our production studio, or you can go work at Vayner NFT in that emerging space, or you can go and help on a side project in Vayner Sports. So we also try to expose folks to different areas of the holding co, which, you know, Gary being Gary tends to be rather energizing for them. Um, yeah, I know, I know we're coming up on time here, um, JT, but I want to ask you, I want to make sure I ask you this last question, and it's sort of about, I guess, the journey over time that you guys have taken internally. So when I spoke with Gary, he gave me this really great line. And he, he said that uh, as an organization, you guys have eaten a lot of crow over the past several years before things finally sort of came to fruition for you. And so give me a sense of what that meant for you over time and some of the ways in which maybe people doubted you uh, and you ultimately found that you know the things that you were pushing were really working. Yeah, I think um, the the past two years in particular of the pandemic has really like, opened a lot of eyes to the way we think about operating. And I would go back to the principles of, you know, set everything live as quickly as possible, lean 100% into speed, lead 100% into business results, and be as integrated as we possibly can. And I think you had a moment two years ago now where brands were faced with the unknown uh, during COVID-19. And that was almost a inflection point of, wow, I need to really think about things differently. I need to think about having more flexibility in my marketing budget. I need to think about um, the ability for channels to do more work for me, which I think has led us to the fact that social could be both a business driver and a brand building channel. And I need the ability to be really you know, laser focused on my business. And when you have media and creative together, it just ratchets it up, up the accountability on the Vayner media side so, so much, right? So there's kind of no place for us to hide when we have both media and creative because we control both sides of the coin. So I think a lot of partners in particular over the past two years have really um, enjoyed that dynamic in terms of the ability to hold us 100% accountable. Right. And it really is sort of serendipitous, as Gary said, because the agency's sweet spot is really in this integration and that's what the industry wants to see right now. And it really just comes down to the changing um, culture, the changing consumer trends and all of those things. And it's all kind of coming into alignment with where your focus is. Yeah, it's pretty cool. We have, um, we have a phrase we, we, we say to a lot of our, our new brands we work with, which is once you see it, you can't unsee it. And once folks experience the speed integration results, it's really hard to go back and say, I want to pull apart media and creative. So it's been, it's been a really fun change over the past year or two. That's great. Well, really appreciate talking to you today. And thank you for sharing all of your insights and um, hope to have you on the podcast at a later date. For sure. Thanks so much, Olivia. I really appreciate it. Awesome. Hey, this is David Greiner again. Big thanks uh, to my colleague Olivia for that interview. Really fascinating. Uh, big thanks to John Tarana from VaynerMedia for joining. And uh, check out our Media Agency of the Year issue. There's a lot of really uh, – the global agency of the year uh, is Mediacom. The U.S. agency of the year is Spark Foundry. And, of course, VaynerMedia is the Breakthrough Agency of the Year. All three have really fascinating stories, uh, especially coming out of uh, enduring the pandemic and kind of coming out of this past uh, really rough year. So I uh, encourage you to check those out. Lots more on adweek.com, of course, too. So, uh, yeah, that's it for this week. Our theme music is by Home. This week's episode was produced by Al Manorino and edited by Lane McGibney. 
If you haven't already, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Those reviews mean a lot to us personally, and they help new listeners discover the show. You can reach us anytime at podcast at adweek.com. That's podcast at adweek.com. For Adweek, I'm David Greiner, and we will be back next week.